The theme for the evening talk is uh, Matters of the Heart. In the popular uh, culture, uh, it is uh, unmistakable the frequency of references to the heart. Barely a song is sung without reference to it, barely a poem is written, barely a book, barely a film, barely a theatre or whatever. And it reveals to us and shows to us again and again uh, matters of the heart uh, matter to us and it gets reflected again and again in the world of the arts, creativity, theatre and uh, entertainment. And it seems rather odd how there is that side and correspondingly there can be such a stark removal from contact uh, with it into a very, very cerebral uh, world in which the matters of the heart don't matter and theory, knowledge, uh, metaphysics, uh, abstractions and generalizations of the mind in various ways do matter. And so we can find ourselves sometimes in one area of our life rather totally immersed in the conceptual theoretical world and in another area of our life very much immersed in matters uh, of the heart. And we wonder, well, where is the... Uh, bridge between, uh, between all, all of this. One of the things which has uh, taken place in relationship to this in the uh, Buddhist uh, tradition and particularly uh, in the last few years is a growing recognition and necessity to look in and to cultivate practices which genuinely and significantly concentrate on the heart as the primary meditation. And in the uh, insight meditation um, uh, tradition and practice, the common criticism that was made for uh, years was that the practice was too dry being mindful, being with what is, uh, accepting uh, and seeing things as they are, um, seeing impermanence, looking at the ego, not being attached, there's some of the other things we come up with, uh, and some people felt, well, it's too, it's too dry, it's too object-oriented, it's... Uh, much bound up with focus and concentration and mindfulness and attention. And some felt, understandably, that other areas of their uh, inner life, feeling life, wasn't being nourished sufficiently and wasn't helping with certain kinds of mind states. And through the encouragement, which is polite word for pressure, 
upon teachers and through teachers meeting and discussing this uh, uh, at length there came about a re- renewal of things which in a way were staring us in the face because of the text, unmistakably so of two major areas truly addressing the heart and one of those is in the technical language is called the four divine abidings and in the uh, uh, tradition the uh, B- Buddha uh, made a rather important and significant uh, change without changing the language too much so those of you who have been to um, Mother India will know uh, the sheer frequency and the number of names of the divine that there are and there are hundreds I mean we hear Brahma and Shiva and uh, Vishnu and Ganesh and 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 there are just hundreds of these names for God and uh, I remember once staying in an ashram in uh, Poway Park outside of uh, in Maharashtra state and someone had put a list together of all the different names of God that could be found in India all the names of the divine and it went there were hundreds of them and the Buddha of course two and a half thousand years ago uh, was all too aware of this and what he did was um, uh, rather uh, radical for the time he, he dropped the whole lot and in uh, dropping the whole lot he said what is divine is what's in the heart and so he said therefore I teach the four divine abiding I teach what it is to abide in divinity and therefore took the emphasis on the God who is as it were outside of ourselves all those different names and many many others I just referred to let go of all the cosmology that goes along with it and said it's not what we believe and it's not the name of the God that we have or several names with different functions what is divine is in the heart this is what matters and then taking it a step further what are some of the uh, expressions of divinity in the heart and he selected uh, four of them and the first one is uh, metta and metta meaning uh, loving uh, kindness sometimes it gets used a little uh, tritely a little super, uh, superficially but it's a potent uh, depth and in the uh, depth of it it draws out of us not only a tremendous quality of a heartfulness but given the meaning of the word maitriya it brings out a very deep friendship towards all things all life all sentient beings and one is included in an unexaggerated way one includes oneself that oneself is as worthy of deep kindness and love and friendship as everything else 
and everything else is as worthy of it as ourself. And that practice and meditation of deep uh, friendship, deep kindness, of love, of loving kindness, uh, um, is such that it has become, an increasing number of people, uh, a very regular daily uh, meditation uh, practice. And part of it is that with love and with kindness, when uh, developed and uh, cultivated, it has the capacity to enter into areas in the heart where it doesn't normally go. Now, it's all very well for you and I to say, well, I would love my heart to be full of loving kindness and to be really kind to everybody and never get pissed off with them and, uh, and never throw uh, negativities out or towards, my, towards myself. And the mind can have wonderful ambitions for the heart. Uh, but the ambitions and the realities, of course, may be far apart from each other. And so the meditations, the loving-kindness meditations, uh, which are there and contribute to bringing in an organic way and uh, a kind of evolution of the heart, kindness to where there isn't kindness. Happiness, warmth, uh, friendship to ourselves where it isn't. And one of the difficulties that people uh, comment and refer to, and I've heard it, of course, uh, during the, the, the days here from you. And sometimes, one takes the view, if I develop deep friendship and deep kindness towards myself, my life, my body, my heart, my mind, isn't there something rather selfish about it? And the self comes up as a resistance to it and one can have the view of it being selfish in some way or other. But we forget not only the benefit towards our own being, but also the benefit for others as well. When do we feel most needy in life? When? When we're happy, friendship, content? Never. When do we feel most needy? When what? When we're unhappy, when we feel unloved, and we feel alienated, when we've got a problem, when we're anxious, when the heart is in a state of disturbance, when nothing's going right. Oh, well, then we reach a need, and, and, and importantly too, attend uh, and wish to connect with others. So in developing a deep practice of heartfulness, of loving-kindness med meditation, not only are we providing a very wonderful and special service to ourselves, but we're going to bring a lot of relief in the lives of other people. We won't keep harassing them for more attention. We won't keep complaining to them about what's wrong with our life. I mean, they won't even know us after a little practice of loving-kindness meditation towards ourselves. So, the very practice itself rather than being selfish, actually, because of the interconnectedness and interrelationship of all things, actually provides a service for others. 
that's the important thing, it's, it's both inner and outer, outer and inner. And what's happening in the uh, community of uh, practitioners, community of meditators, is that these kind of uh, uh, practices are becoming uh, more significant and beginning to play a much, a much greater part. And some of the uh, teachers are uh, uh, emphasizing that uh, a, a, great, a great deal. Um, uh, tomorrow morning, with the final morning of the retreat, the, um, you get um, uh, whatever the dubious privilege of um, entrance into the inner sanctum called the library. And uh, far more sacred here than the tabernacle, you can't get into the place. And sometimes people in going into the uh, library, one of the books there is by Sharon Salzberg, I remember the title, um, Loving Kindness, The Revolutionary Art of Happiness. Something like that. And uh, Sharon, who's the uh, co-founder of the uh, Centre of IMS, Insight Meditation Society Centre, in Western Massachusetts, just a centre to uh, Gaia House, uh, uh, through tremendous amount of practice uh, of uh, uh, self and heartfulness, uh, loving kindness meditation, uh, written a wonderful uh, uh, book. Um, about these kind of practices and the importance. In the importance of that, one of the things that one notices, though, that if it becomes a regular feature of one's meditative life, that sometimes heart responds well. Sometimes in these meditations towards uh, deep metta, deep friendship, kindness towards oneself, it can seem and appear to be quite abstract. One is kind of going through the rotor of it. And, but then sometimes it, the whole being really connects with the meditation, just as with other meditation. And in that, the heartfulness comes, and one really feels the experience of it running through the cells. Not just a kind of heart practice, it's actually, a, it can become that deep that the kindness and the warmth and the uh, friendship and the love begins to run through the cells when actually the cells actually respond to it and that's why I say it's a heart practice but it's a very deep heart practice to go right into the cellular, cellular life and therefore in such practices one has to kind of learn and uh, when you see it, as usual any meditation the, 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 the rise and fall and the, 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 the slump periods and then it gets steady again but keeping faith with it and I've said it a few times over the years that these meta practices make you know, kundalini meditations all that kindergarten stuff take some, something to really run the deep in the heart and, re- and what comes out of us is very deep friendship towards all life so deep that it's unstoppable that deep unstoppable friendship towards all existence and I said equally including one's own because one's own is the vehicle for what goes on seeing outside sometimes we say well if I just do that will that just do it for me and the answer is no so 
it may well mean, and this is a very important uh, feature and aspect uh, of that, is that if it isn't, it means that the uh, that depth of friendship, that, that to abide in that divinity, to abide with God, is to abide in that love, might well correspondingly mean association with those, and that's referred to this as well, association with those who we say, this person or these people or whatever, are genuinely deep and loving people, have a deep friendship towards life. And making contact and possible, of course, uh, regular contact. In, as we know, in the, in, the, in the Buddhist world, people sometimes uh, just going to see some of the uh, 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 figures in this Buddhist world just for a moment and the deep warmth and appreciation and affection uh, that comes out uh, of, of oneself through the contact and, as I may say, uh, being on the International Board of the Buddhist uh, uh, Peace Fellowship, reminded of it because of just having to write to the fellow board members. And in uh, looking at those, there's about a dozen of us who are uh, uh, on, on the board. And, if I may say, three of the members have been nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. Another one received the... Uh, uh, Mahatma Gandhi uh, Peace Award uh, last year, one of the most um, uh, prestigious awards for peace that are available on this earth. And where does that come from? Oh, it comes from extraordinary deep kindness towards life and various very courageous expressions and manifestations of it. People who uh, go and see uh, the Dalai Lama people who uh, get the chance, not easy these days, to meet with uh, Aung San Suu Kyi in uh, Burma. What, what does one pick up first and very quickly? How kind, the kindness, deep human warmth and kindness. Ask them, where did it come from? It came from their practice. Ask them, Dalai Lama, ask what his religion is. What did he say? He said, my religion is kindness. Great religion, better than Buddhism. So practices of uh, kindness. So sometimes we say we develop the practices deep within, but also we say let's have contact. Let's 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 see where there's kindness. Just a, a little while ago, it's tea time. Russell and I were in the staff room there with the managers and Caroline uh, Beatty, who lives in uh, uh, Totnes and spent periods of time in India, um, just had uh, two uh, NGOs, two uh, uh, people working out in the field in, in, in Bihar, uh, in terms of doing projects and initiatives and organisation for people in Bihar, which is the poorest and most desperate and, and, and corrupt place of, uh, in, in all of India and they're paying their first visit to, uh, to Britain. And one can imagine that the contrast uh, from going there to here. And they're, they're working in very minimal conditions where literacy r r rate is pathetically low, 30% or, 
or less sometimes one or two percent in some of the villages and hamlets. Where, where, where does that come from? Firstly, it comes from a lot of kindness, a lot of kindness towards others. And, and what people can do when people work and cooperate together. There's so many ways that uh, through outer contact and making that very important in our life and through a lot of uh, inner, inner work, the combination of the two really not only steadies the heart but opens it up as well. And it's a tremendous challenge to uh, each and every one of us to say, hey, this is our heart matters. Every, 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 there's countless reminders of it. Every one of those appalling soap operas. It's all around the theme of love and relationship. It, it, it's in your face life. And yet, though we recognize it and acknowledge it, where are the practices of it? Where are the teachings available? Where is the way that we can really attend to deep friendship? To compassion, which means the action to relieve suffering. To, to joy and happiness in life. To deep peace. All of these features of, uh, of, of, of a divine way of being uh, in this world. Some say, when listening to that, say, oh well, you know, I've been a kind of, um, uh, what should you say, uh, insight meditation teacher or a, a student or practitioner or I've just been doing uh, Zen and uh, just speaking with uh, a friend of mine uh, 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 Subana who's uh, one of the few people who's uh, authorised to teach in the insight meditation t- tradition and she's also authorised to teach in the Zen tradition she's a, a Zen uh, Roshi and she and I uh, teach together in uh, Budgaya time to time in uh, uh, Australia. I think she's the first Zen Roshi uh, in an Australia. And she and I were talking about the metta, the loving kindness practices and really deep. And she said, in the Zen tradition, which is more um, hardcore, sit and walk, face your existence and don't move away from it, um, she said there's more interest and questioning going on amongst, you know, uh, uh, the Zen students uh, about uh, such uh, practices there. And, and therefore that's beginning to be explored more, more and more. So, so there's something that one in uh, the Dharma circles one can uh, respond to. Still takes cultivation and development. But then, as I just said, Sometimes we say, does that mean I really have to start really developing loving-kindness meditations and uh, uh, appreciative joy, etc.? And one of the important features, and one person referred to it this afternoon in a small group, and in another way I touched upon it earlier in the retreat, in sometimes, as in this case, with the inquiry period, the... Uh, what shall we say, the receptivity of the being, if we put it like that, the receptivity of the being, senses, in this case, the language you use was, that the seeker and the thought is, in a way, ultimately a futile activity, ultimately. And there's a sense for it. The whole baggage of that movement has got uh, severe limitations to it. It creates the idea, we talked about a gap, 
it creates the idea of closing the gap, being further, being nearer, and that whole spectrum. And this movement back and forward also goes on in countless other circumstances uh, uh, in our life. And the amount of agitation that comes. And I uh, referred, uh, having arrived four to five minutes uh, late for the small group uh, this morning, and I referred to driving uh, here and finishing up things uh, at home as I have to uh, fly to uh, Israel tomorrow evening. And one almost knew it as one drove down the end of the road um, and, and knew that if one went at normal speed, one would arrive exactly at 10.45 and could just walk in and have the small group. But one knows, as soon as one drives, starts out, it won't go to the minute. One knows it. And sure enough, the driver in front of me was clearly born in the last century. <laughs> and so along the narrow lanes of Devon, when I drove along, we were doing 30 miles an hour, uh, and on the main road from Totnes to Newton Abbott. And I, one knew it had to be, I don't say, one knew in a way, it had to, it had to be because of, because of this. Normally it's a, a 20 minute drive to the button. So as we drove along, so I was driving along, you know, uh, uh, be, behind, and he looked, it made me smile, he looked in the mirror, and he realised that I was interested in knowing what his number plate was. Uh, <laughs> and, um, and suddenly the speed went up to 40 to 45 mile, miles an hour, you know, a real uh, speedy merchant. And uh, I thought, oh, good, we're moving along a little bit. And then he went back. He must have gone back to sleep or something. But anyway, it, it, then we went back to our 30 mile an hour and it continued all the way, all the way through. And so there's a period when some young man says, oh, there is this, I wish to be there, and there is this which is the obstruction. And uh, what's the impact of, of all, all of that in the in a, in a life? What's the impact? Does it, is there grasping? If one's grasping to time, grasping to uh, I must be there, grasping to obstruction, that car in front, etc. If all of that starts in the grasping, it will generate an agitation and or speediness or restlessness or all sorts of and in all, all of that, we, how easily we get caught up in it sometimes. In getting caught up through the grasping, it's close, as the, the teachings often say, the close companion of it comes, which is carelessness. And the close companion of carelessness is suffering. Needs the grasping for the others to follow on from it. And therefore it's lack of kindness for oneself, lack of kindness for the driver in, uh, uh, in front, and uh, a clinging on to what I, I want. In the ordinary situations, ordinary everyday situations, but in a way, to, uh, a test and a challenge to our mettle, 
you know, do we understand? Do we understand life isn't made for self? And if things go smoothly, one drives out of one's home at uh, whatever time it was, 9.20, 9.25, and one has a smooth drive all the way here, and therefore it fitted in with the wishes of the self, miracle. Extraordinary aberration of existence. Totally unexpected. The self and life is flowing in harmony. Wonderful. For 20 minutes. So that sense of that harmony of things, of being with the flow of things, being uh, connected with things, happens much more easily with life if there isn't the clinging and the grasping. So one might say, to come back to my earlier point and question, in the movement of one's life, as far as uh, sustained meditation practice goes, some are saying, and uh, Sharon and Shada and, and, and many other prominent uh, uh, teachers in a very important way, and I also encourage, obviously, that the cultivation specifically of the heart, deep kindness, each friendship towards oneself and towards others really is a worthwhile and immensely beneficial practice. Can't be underestimated in that respect. Some, and uh, I'm, I'm generally in the category of the some here, while I'm acknowledging and encouraging to it, point towards, um, as much as possible, uh, immediacy of freedom, immediacy of liberation, and in the immediacy of freedom and uh, uh, liberation, that that takes all the pressure out of the heart once and for all. You know, what you might call going for jackpot. And in taking the pressure off the heart, the heart uh, loses its restrictions, it loses its measurement, it loses its confinement, and out of that comes deep friendship for all life. It's the very confirmation, in fact, uh, and affirmation of a free life is the wonderful benefit it brings to the heart. How else would we know a free human being, an enlightened human being? We, we, we don't know them through their heart, not through their words, not through their... Uh, we might do so, their views or their beliefs or whatever, but actually what the heart manifests. So, here's a wonderful thing here, and, uh, and okay, in a way worth meditating upon, contemplating upon. Sometimes they say, yeah, my heart needs development. And in that, it will make it easier when dealing with that which of liberation. And what I mean by that is, uh, and this was pointed out today and is pointed out quite regularly, sometimes we're speaking about the destruction of the ego, the emptiness of self, not clinging to anything as I and my, a kind of fading away, a dissolution of, a getting rid of, a, 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 a going beyond or whatever, all the limitations of self. And sometimes that touches something in the inner life which might produce, as it does regularly for people, fear. It might um, produce uh, um, an agitation. It might 
produce a pointlessness about life. It might pre- produce um, very negative thoughts about oh, what's the use of the self, what's the use of me, etc. And it pre- can produce that kind of reaction. And therefore, sometimes despairing thoughts, fearful thoughts, negative thoughts, suicidal thoughts can arise. So if sometimes the mind has a kind of preoccupation with endings, and it generates the reactivity of fear or despair or self-rejection uh, in that way, it may mean that the heart isn't ready to be able to take the challenge of the absence of ego, the absence of I, me and my is something uh, unsatisfactory. So sometimes, as I did the inquiry, person think about you know, letting go or giving everything up, and the question I asked, what's left? The response was nothing. What, I said, what's left? And sometimes what's left is, you know, pain or confusion or despair inside. Okay, that has to be given up as well. If that isn't happening, Therefore, the antidote to all of that is genuinely cultivating kindness towards oneself, friendship towards oneself, that sense of uh, heartfulness towards oneself and, of course, towards others as well. So that when the dying of the ego comes about, when the clinging to I, me and my comes about and the dissolution then we can, what's left, and one feels okay with what's left. We have a sense of something different, and we don't fall into a pit of uh, fearful or distressing thought, or feelings, or emotions. So, in that respect, finally, in that respect, we work with our existence, we look honestly at ourselves, and some may say, yes, I need to cultivate these heart practices and really make that a real feature of my practice. And others will uh, look at oneself and say, no, that, uh, that isn't uh, necessary, that doesn't have to be the priority. I do have enough uh, trust that in letting go, in utter giving up, or in surrender, or in being on the edge of realization, or whatever, that it will all come clear. And certainly in the uh, teachings and primary focus uh, here, you know, that's the avenue that we go, it's the avenue which in Dzogchen tradition goes as well, the avenue of um, uh, Zen practice and teachings go pointing to immediacy of things and realization uh, in, in that. importance of the tradition uh, much less important as to what you see for yourself what you experience for yourself and what uh, works for you and if in the course of the days here one gets the sense in oneself I'm too hard on myself or too judgmental or enter into dark periods in myself too easily or too prone to uh, criticism and self-rejection 
and that's just too much a feature in my inner life, in my heart life, then sometimes it's not only watching and observing it and, and attending to it, but it's saying, okay, let me cultivate and genuinely practice regularly these meditations so the heart feels warm, happy, steady and strong. And with those practices, that will happen. So the knowing of what's appropriate and worthwhile uh, for ourselves um, is the first criteria, as always, of course. And when the heart's steady and strong, teachings of liberation, teachings of uh, utter abandonment, teachings of uh, realization of uh, emptiness, which is so wonderful because it makes all things possible. Now, all of that be- can be clearer because the heart's steady with it all. May all beings know their heart. May all beings live with a warm and steady heart. May all beings live with liberation. So let's have a quiet minute or two together, please. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.